You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Scripture says we are saved, we are forgiven, and we are saved. And it also says at that point, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells in us. The Holy Spirit comes in us. That is the anointing of which John is speaking about right now. This is the anointing that he's talking about, something that we all have in common. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, dwelling within our hearts. So we should be more submitted to Him. Do you realize that as a disciple of Jesus, that you have an anointing? As you listen to today's message from Pastor Dave, he shares with you the important truth that you have been anointed by having Jesus as your Savior. When you receive Jesus as Lord, He anoints you with His Holy Spirit to empower you. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 John chapter 2 as he begins his message, But You Have an Anointing. One John two verse twenty, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So in his book, Under the Influence, Yielding to the Work of the Holy Spirit, Pastor Lloyd Pulley tells this story. There's an old story about a Scottish woman who lived in the most impoverished conditions. Years before, her son had immigrated to America. And while in America... Her son had become a very successful businessman. But sadly, he never found the time to return home to visit his dear old mom. One day, a friend sat talking with this older lady in her very sparsely furnished cottage. Doesn't your son ever send you any money to help your needs? She asked. Why, no, the woman shook her head sadly. He does write me letters, though. And he sends me the most interesting pictures. The listener was annoyed. She knew that the son was wealthy. But instead of speaking her mind, she simply said, May I see the pictures? The mother was very, very proud of the pictures that her son had sent her. She opens a drawer and takes them out and shows them to her friend. And to the friend's amazement, they were not pictures at all. They were valuable banknotes from America amounting in thousands upon thousands of dollars. For years, this woman had been living needlessly in poverty. The problem? She didn't know the value of the interesting pictures. She owned the notes. They were given to her. They were hers. 
but she hadn't taken full possession of them. Her poverty was due to the fact that she lacked the knowledge of what they were. It wasn't due to the fact that she lacked wealth. The money was more than enough to meet her needs. But she left those beautiful resources sitting in a drawer, collecting dust, if you will, all by themselves. She didn't know the purpose of the gifts. She didn't know because her ignorance brought needless suffering and sorrow to her life. Interesting story, no? Well, fortunately for us, most of us are not so foolish when it comes to understanding what money is. But this lady's experience is definitely on the unusual point. But in fact, you might even be thinking, how could anybody be so foolish as to leave all that money sitting in a drawer? But today I want to speak about a different kind of poverty. A poverty that exists, I believe, in the church today. It is a self-imposed spiritual poverty. Let me ask you a question. Are you living the Christian life in a self-imposed spiritual poverty? Sadly, a lot of people who call themselves Christians are. In fact, to the point where one commentator I studied called this an epidemic. Didn't call it a pandemic, but he called it an epidemic. The tragedy of poverty in this world today, believe me, trust me, is a sad, sad story. But the greater tragedy, the greater tragedy than poverty is trying to live the Christian life without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. This is a true tragedy. When we try to live our lives without the Holy Spirit's lead and guidance, we become spiritually poor. And even worse, it can lead to deception. We can be deceived because when we don't know and recognize the power of the Holy Spirit, we don't have truth. And we need truth to survive in this crazy world. We already possess this truth if you're a true Christian. Now, as we've been making our way through 1 John 2, the Apostle John told us that it's the last hour. These are the last days. The age and dispensation of grace is winding down. We talked about it in length. It's the last days. He said that the Antichrist, capital A, is coming. And he will be revealed when time comes. But there are now in this world, even today, Antichrist, small a. He said that these Antichrists even came out from among the churches. They left the churches. He said they weren't of us, but they came from us. These men went out because they were deceived. They didn't possess the truth. And not only were they deceived, but they deceived others as well. And others followed them. Ignorantly, John desperately wants the readers of this age, and he wants you today to be aware and to beware of the people he calls antichrists. These men and women are deceivers, and they love to sow discord among the brethren. So at this point, John's readers are probably scratching their head and saying, well, okay, John, how do we know who they are? How do we determine who they are? How can we spot this antichrist person or a person who denies Christ? How can we spot them? So beginning in verse 20, John becomes an encourager. 
I like that. A good teacher becomes an encourager. John wants to encourage them, and I want to encourage you today to what John said here. He encourages his reading by saying, you know the truth. You have the truth. And he gives them reason. He says, you have an anointing. Look at verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Not only do you have this anointing, John says, but this anointing is from the Holy One, and you know the truth as well. John is saying, you possess this. It's yours. It's been given to you. Interesting words by the Apostle John. I love the word in the original King James is unction. The word unction in Greek, charisma, meaning anointing, where we get our word charismatic, anointing. So don't answer this question, but it's rhetorical. What do you think about when you hear the word anointing? What do you think about? Does anybody think of sheep? No? Well, the origin of the anointing was from a practice of the shepherds. Lice and other insects would get into the wool of the sheep. And when they would get near the sheep's head, they would burrow into the sheep's ear and they would eventually kill the, they would eventually kill the sheep. So these ancient shepherds poured oil on the sheep's head. They poured oil over the sheep's head and this made the wool slippery. So the insects couldn't get near the sheep's ears. They slide down. And from this, anointing came to be symbolic with blessing. It came to be symbolic with protection. And it came to be symbolic with empowerment. If you look in the dictionary, that's exactly what it says. The anointing means to smear or rub oil, usually in a religious ceremony. Now, in the Old Testament days, people were anointed with oil to signify God's blessing upon them and a blessing upon their life. A person was anointed with oil for a special purpose, like to be a king, or to be a prophet, or to be a builder, etc. Now, we've read about these many, many times, and I love the fact that it says in Psalm 133, verse 2, speaking about dwelling in unity with the brethren, it's like the precious oil upon the head, running down the beard the beard of Aaron running down to the edge of his garments. And when Aaron was consecrated and anointed as priest, the oil ran down all over him. He was anointed. If we read in 1 Samuel verse 10, uh, ver, uh, chapter 10, verse 1, Samuel has been called to anoint Saul as king. And in verse 1 it says, Then Samuel took a flask of oil, poured it on his head, and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? Interesting things. And then in 1 Samuel 16, in verse 13, we see Samuel doing the same thing again, but only to a little shepherd boy named David. In 16.3, he says, Excuse me, 16.13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, David, in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. That's interesting. Notice, when he was anointed, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. In Scripture, oil is always representative of the Holy Spirit. You know that. But in the Old Testament... And I don't know why I took my place back, because I should have stayed there. In verse 
14 of chapter 16, it says, but the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. In the Old Testament, God could take his spirit back. It departed from Saul. But here in the New Testament, the anointing can mean being separated to God, being consecrated to God for service. And when we anoint with oil, the oil doesn't have any magic portion. Doesn't have any magic portion. The oil itself doesn't really have any power. I mean, if it's extra virgin olive oil, it can just as easy make a salad as you can pour it over top of somebody's head. It doesn't have any power. It is only God that can anoint someone. Only God does the anointing. And those of you who have asked me to anoint you with oil according to James 5 and say a prayer for healing, I have told you that in the oil there is no healing power. It's God who does the healing. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but we have to make sure we understand where the healing comes from. So I told you all this to say that John now, he's writing to all believers and says, you have an anointing. You have an anointing. And John speaks of this common anointing that belongs to not just one of you, but all of us who believe in Jesus Christ. An anointing that makes the discernment possible for those who seek the Lord. The idea that John is referring to is being filled with and blessed by the Holy Spirit. Being filled with and blessed by the Holy Spirit. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we accept his sacrifice on the cross for our sins, when we confess our sins and believe into him, unto him for righteousness and salvation, Scripture says we are saved, we are forgiven, and we are saved. And it also says at that point, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells in us. The Holy Spirit comes in us. That is the anointing of which John is speaking about right now. This is the anointing that he's talking about, something that we all have in common. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, dwelling within our hearts. So we should be more submitted to him. We should be more responsive to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit guides and leads us. If you've become born again, God has blessed you with the Holy Spirit. So my first question today is, are you submitted completely to the Holy Spirit and are you responsive to him? Are you responsive to his leading? God has given us the Holy Spirit as a resource of spiritual discernment and wisdom so you can know all things. We talked about this when we studied the Gospel of John. In the Gospel of John, in chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus is speaking and says, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of things to come. The Spirit of truth guides us into all truth. John clearly says that the purpose of the anointing of the Holy Spirit is to help the Christian to know all things. The Apostle Paul, knowing this, being taught by Jesus Christ, says this in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 9 through 12. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into a heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. 
For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Interesting words. All that to say we need to understand what's been given to us. We need to realize what we possess, what we have. We need to realize what we have because we've been born again. We can't be like the old woman in the story and take the Holy Spirit and put him in a shelf someplace and just let him sit there. He's been given to us for a purpose, just like these banknotes and all this money was given to this old lady so that she could live, so that she could make ends meet. But instead, she went into poverty because she didn't understand what they were. John says, you have the Holy Spirit. You have the anointing. It's been given to us to a purpose, and that purpose is to lead us into the truth. And when John says you know all things, he's not saying you know everything as God knows everything, please. And he's not saying that you could never be taught anything as a Christian. He's not saying those things. What he's saying is you can know how to live the Christian life. You can know how to live the Christian life that God has placed before you. Peter said God has given us what? All things for life and godliness. Through Christ. If you need to know it, the Spirit has anointed you and will reveal it to you as you seek him. And you know what's interesting? I find this very interesting. This is kind of an aside, but I'm going to say it. According to ancient accounts, the emperor, the Roman emperor Dominican ordered that John be cast into a boiling vat of oil as if to say, here's your anointing. Now, obviously, we know that John came out of the vat of oil unharmed because he truly had the anointing of God. He truly was protected, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. They were protected by God. The Spirit of God not only protects us, but the Spirit of God gives us discernment to know. So John here is speaking about the work of the Holy Spirit in teaching us all things of Christ. And John wants us to study the truth. Why? So we're not deceived. He goes back to what he said before. Deception is coming. Deception is here, folks. And you can easily go down that rabbit hole and be deceived if you don't know the truth. Oh, I know the truth. Really? Are you banking on the truth? Are you listening to the truth? Are you following the truth? Are you submitted totally to the Holy Spirit so that you know that truth? The more we know the truth, the less chance we will have to be deceived. That's why we teach the Word of God here at Calvary Chapel, line by line, verse upon verse, so that you have the whole counsel of God. When John speaks of the Holy Spirit teaching us that we know all things, it's interesting, the Greek word here, oedis, oedis. It means to know intuitively, to know intuitively. I haven't experienced all things. I haven't experienced all things in my life. But I get to know these things without experience them because the Holy Spirit reveals them to me if I'm related to him. John says in verse 21, I have, I, I have not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. John's saying, listen, guys, wake up. You know this stuff. Here comes an encouraging thing from John. John wants to encourage you. You know this. If you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit. 
And John is saying, you know the truth. And we've been set free by the truth. Everybody says that all the time. I've been set free by the truth. Really? Truly set free? Truly living your life the way God wants you to live your life? Truly set free by the Holy Spirit? I pray so. I pray that's your life. I pray it is. We have the truth is alive in us because of the Holy Spirit in us. Rely on the spirit of truth to guide you. Rely on the spirit that has been given to you. We do not have to be deceived. Trust on the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us into all truth. That's one of his functions. That's one of the things that the Holy Spirit does. If we will allow him. If we will allow him. If we will submit ourselves to him. Remember the name of the book? Under his influence. Yielding to the work of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is there for you, wants to work for you and in you, but you have to allow it. You have to submit yourself to him and let him go. Why do I keep saying him? Because he's the third person of the Trinity. He's God. Do not rely on your flesh to lead you into the truth. Christian life cannot be lived in the flesh. Many of us have tried it, got the scars and the wounds to prove it. It cannot be be lived in the flesh. Since you've been born again by the Spirit, Scripture says, all things are now spiritual. All things are now spiritual to you. If you try hard as you may to live your life in the flesh, you will be enslaved to your flesh. I used to paint houses during the summer. My summer job as a school teacher, one of about a billion, but I painted houses for a while. And I would go and give a bid to someone, and they would have an extremely old house. And it would be rotting wood and all chipping back, and they would want me to repaint it. And I would say, you know, if you don't fix this wood, if I paint it, all you're going to have is fresh paint over rotten wood. And eventually it's going to crack. Well, that's what the Christian life looks like when you're biting in the flesh and not the spirit. Oh, you look perfect. You look good. But sooner or later, you're going to crack. Sooner or later, something's going to happen, and you're going to go down. So he's, John is telling us right now, you need to understand this. Living a life without being to the Holy Spirit is like that. It looks good for a while, but eventually everything caves in. So John was concerned, and he's concerned for us today. He's concerned because the churches in his time were full of men going around spelt spilling wild tales about Jesus, spilling wild tales about being born again. That's great, but you need this too. These Judaizers were coming from all over the place trying to make people follow the law, trying to make people be circumcised. So John tells us who these are. Who are these antichrists and how can we identify them? Well, he says that in 22 and 23. He says, who is a liar, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. You are You've been listening to a teaching from the book of 1 John with Pastor Dave Shank on A Sure Hope. Does your heart tend to ride the turbulent waves of the circumstances you find yourself in? Or are you more of that calm, steady sea that's fairly even and consistent? Well, in this book, John wrote to his readers to grow in their zeal and love for God while refuting those who were teaching false things. 
there is a steadiness that's encouraged, despite the waves of emotion and turmoil that you may face. Having that steadfast focus on God and His promise of eternal life is what can help your heart be at peace and be calm. If you missed any part of today's teaching or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. Perhaps as you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about what you heard. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. In addition to that, you're welcome to email us at info at capewatchradio.com with any questions, concerns, or prayer requests. Would you rather talk to us in person? Then think about joining us this Sunday for a time of God's Word at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. All you need to know is our website, assurehoperadio.com. Thank you again for taking time to learn from the book of 1 John today. We hope you'll join us again next time on Assure Hope. Rescue.